Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. Happy Monday, gentlemen. We have a special guest here today, Mr. Mike Broomhead, radio yeah. host Mike Good Broomhead. to be here. Yay. Thank How you doing, Mike? Us. Good. How about you? Good to have you here. Good to be here. Mike is a good friend of mine from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. KFYI does mornings and, uh, and is like the most important uh, uh, celebrity in all of Arizona. Mm. Wow. I don't know if that's, that's a comp. Well, well, there's not many celebrities okay. in Arizona, so, <laughs> so I might be uh, since he left. <laughs> Glenn, what's the top story for you? Uh, I think the death cult, the Democratic death cult. Mm. Always yeah. uplifting. Yeah, it's always Monday. happy. Hey, I was spent the weekend with Tony Robbins. How can you not be happy and uplifting? <laughs> Some answers to questions I have not seen asked about the uh, New Zealand shooting. Right, Mike. I'm going to educate you on the Red for Ed movement across the country, especially in Arizona. Can I ask a question? Mm. What was your topic again? The New Zealand shooting. And it was questions not asked? Yeah. Here's one. Is Peter Jackson okay? He is, Peter. Okay, good. Peter's okay. <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't hear anybody ask that question. Mm-hmm. You didn't. No, you I ruined my segment. Now I have nothing. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got a spoiler alert. Obviously, yeah. a lot to get into, but first, we want to thank our sponsor, Mercury Real Estate. Okay, so this is uh, realestateagentsitrust.com. This was uh, started by me and my brother, and he's not actually my brother. I don't want to get trouble with false advertising. We grew up together, um, and we've always we've worked together forever. And we've always thought there's got to be a better way because we both were in radio. And, uh, and we'd move a ton, and I hated moving, mainly because of the real estate agents. You never know who to hire. You never know who's going to do it right. Well, you hired the one on the billboard, right? Yeah, no. Smiling you, face. No, my mistake is I hired, like, well, my cousin, my friend has a cousin who, uh, don't do it, don't do it. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. These are the experts. These are the people hand-selected by my team to be able to be the ones that you can trust, ones that have your same sensibilities. There is nothing worse than getting into a car all day long with a real estate agent who, like, thinks you're a liberal and is just talking about crazy crap all day, and you're just like, just get me out of the car. <laughs> Won't happen with realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now, sell your, ti- your house on time and for the most amount of money, or buy the right house uh, the first time if you're moving into a new area. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn, you said the Democrat Party is a death cult. Well, uh, if anybody had said what Beto uh, oh, his name is Robert Francis. Francis. Sorry, Thank you. Robert Francis O'Rourke. Um, we should name, we should he should really be Father Father uh, Robert Francis. Father Robert Francis. Yeah, doesn't he? RFO like yeah. UFO, but RFO. Oh, thank Father you, Father Bob Frank. So uh, he, you know he he wrote. Uh, do we have any of the uh, clips of the things that he wrote about how he likes to kill children? Now this is when he was a child. So he was in high school, and one day I was driving home from work. I noticed two children crossing the street. They were happy, happy to be free from their troubles. The happiness was mine by right. I had earned it in my dreams. Uh, As uh, I neared the young ones, I put all my weight on my right foot, keeping the accelerator pedal on the floor till I heard the crashing of the two children on the hood and the sharp cry of pain uh, from one of the two. I was so fascinated for a moment that when after I had stopped my vehicle, I just sat a day, sweet visions filling my head. This is nuts. And this is something that if anyone else would have written it, you would have gone to the parent and said, oh, I think something's wrong. 
Remember the kid who killed the llamas when we were in Tampa? Yes. He took a golf club to a llama and killed him for sport. And the whole thing was, this kid's got to go away because he is, there's something seriously wrong with him. Now, this isn't a llama, but this is some sign that there's something wrong. He then later wrote about t- talking about a country that we have to get rid of all money uh, and we're going to have uh, government, but we need the, anarch- the anarchists to help us on this. Uh, because the banks aren't going to let go. A lot of spooky stuff that is kind of in line with a lot of the anarchists and the revolutionaries that are in our midst right now. I had Joe Lieberman on today, and I asked him, is any of this stuff scare you? I mean, are people going to stand up? And he said that the people he knows in the Democratic Party are too afraid of the left and the people in control to actually stand up. He said it's going to take the Democrats themselves, the one in the country, to stand up and say, we don't want any of this. And he said if they happen to nominate one of these crazies, he said, I think it will be the end of the Democratic Party. But I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure. I just, before we go any further, I just want to make, make something clear. Are you saying that as a teenager, you did not fantasize about killing kids. No, I didn't. Uh, you didn't go through that phase. No, did you? I did not. Yeah, did you, Stu? I don't remember this particular phase. <laughs> Do no. you remember that? No, I, no. You don't yeah. want to know what I did, but I did. It was, that wasn't it. I mean, boys have fantasies, but not <laughs> that, usually yeah. about killing kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I mean, you couple that with Bernie's, uh, what Bernie wrote yep. when he was younger, too. These, what is wrong with them? These people have... Uh, they don't mind death. They really don't. I think it's turning it into like a death like cult. New York, when they passed the bill for infanticide, it wasn't just they passed it. They lit the buildings in New York pink to celebrate it. Right. They're it, celebrating the they, death of children. And they still won't stand up and say, no, we don't want to kill infants. This, this goes back to the denying, denying God three times back in, what, 2012, uh, when they were developing the Democratic platform, we everybody who wants God in the platform say aye. They denied three times this death cult. It's only going to get worse. You're seeing it now with uh, with Omar. That's that's the end of anti-Semitism. There, it's ovens. There's uh, we've kind of turned a corner when it comes to the campaign. And you notice it with Beto and that, you know, he ran against Ted Cruz and no one could ever find anything wrong with the guy. I mean, he was sure there was a lot of information out there that he had done things that were wrong. But the media just glorified him and treated him like a celebrity that was basically perfect. Uh, Now that he's going up against other Democrats and socialism is on the line. Well, now we're seeing all this stuff kind of leak out because now the media will pay attention to it. They might have a different socialist that is their favorite socialist. So now they can go after Beto and feel okay because instead of it being Beto or Ted Cruz, it's Beto or Bernie or Beto or Kamala or whoever. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing to watch. And you see how it's happened with, uh, the, new, with the media, too. It's not just his crazy writings as a child. Uh, he was involved in this uh, hacking group in the 80s, a relatively well-known one. Uh, Reuters reporter came across this information during the campaign, went to confirm it with him, and accepted the you know the standard that he would be um, he would be able to uh, protect this information until after the election. And now it's come out. 
you know, it was kind of under the auspices of, well, well, I'm writing a book about this, and I was holding back the information for a book, although we now know about it, and I don't think the book is out yet. Um, it seems to be uh, just released in a normal news story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, you know, he's had lots of protection, and it'll be interesting to see if Beto can get through this stuff, because you've already seen him kind of stumble several times in this rollout, had a great fundraising first day. But, I mean, with the rollout, I mean, him apologizing for this non-joke about his wife that he didn't say anything. Which I didn't think it was bad yeah, at all. I mean, I, bad. I couldn't live in the world where I had to apologize for saying something like that. It'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, if you didn't hear that, what was it? It was basically like, uh, you have it in front the, of you? Yeah, I think we, well, we have him explaining what okay, the joke was. The joke was basically him saying, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I've been out on campaigning, so my wife is basically raising the kids by herself. By herself, yeah. yeah. And then, so let's watch what he had to say about that. Calling my wife and, and uh, asking her, and she said, look, I know what you're trying to say, which is that here I am in El Paso. I'm working. Um, I, I'm also taking on the lion's share of the responsibility of raising our children, and, and you were trying to acknowledge that in your comments, but, but it came off sounding a little flip. Uh, and you know th- this this is a serious thing, and I think you should you, you should treat it seriously. So I thought I thought that was great advice, um, and uh, and he's wearing and advice a skirt. that 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 I'm going to follow. <laughs> he is he wearing has to be. a skirt. He's, he's handcuffed too because there's none of the waving of the arms either. Yeah, so he's he got the it's, it's just <laughs> awful what he's what he's doing here. He, I can't even <laughs> imagine what having to say that about something that is not. Offensive. I mean, in fact, I felt like it was giving credit where credit was due. Yeah. Right. And not, not, not even just not offensive. But, but is that because kind, is yeah. that because the Democrats don't find any value of staying home and taking care of the children? Yeah, like he was devaluing her. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, Didn't he do say, it for doing the most important job yeah. in the family? We played five times on our show how he emphatically said, no way he's running for president. And one oh, of the yeah. reasons was because his children were still yes. young. Yes. And yeah. then makes the announcement he's running. Oh, and in his Vanity Fair uh, article, they made sure to comment that the, that his son was in tears. Yeah. That he said, I don't, I'll, I will cry every day that you're gone. And Beto's like, oh, this guy. <laughs> Screw you, kid. <laughs> it was not I, cute. I, I remember some of the crew's allies during the campaign made, you know, lookalike signs of Beto, except it was Beta. Uh, yeah. Remember those? They yeah. were around here at yeah. the office. I mean, does that clip, could there possibly be a better clip to explain that? I mean, That's that is a, that is a pathetic, yeah. pathetic moment for any dude. Yeah. And, yep. you know, to go back on what you were talking about of they're making fun of him, L- let's play the clip from, uh, from what's his Jimmy name? Fallon? Jimmy Fallon. That, oh. I mean, this is tremendous comedy, which they would have never done when it was against Ted Cruz. And they will stop if he gets the nomination mm-hmm. because then it'll be about Donald Trump. Watch. Hi, I'm Beto O'Rourke, <laughs> and I'm excited. <laughs> That's it. I'm just excited. Oh, yeah. I'm also running for president of the United States. I love the United States, and I love running. In fact, I literally just ran eight miles to get here. Folks often say to me, we don't know much about you, Beto. We know you ran against Ted Cruz in Texas. We know you're hot. And then usually the hot thing comes up again. But who's the real Beto O'Rourke? Well, I'm sort of like if a compassionate head nod turned into a person. Because the truth is, I care. I care so much. She just Wait. won't let go of his arm. No. That's the best I part. love when he grabs it. Yeah. 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 Her arm is like a yeah. limp noodle. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, before we get to the everything that's going on in New Zealand, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. I think the Jimmy Fallon to shooting tra- transition would go that well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was hysterical. <laughs> 
Yeah, so obviously uh, late last week we had this really uh, terrible mass shooting uh, in, in New Zealand and, and it was, uh, you know, obviously a horrific moment. Um, and we weren't really around, uh, I wasn't around at least last week to talk about it. But I mean, you know, this is one of the, these are, these are things you wish would not happen. And the fact that anyone would go to their place of worship and get shot is just, I mean, it's inexplicable. Anyone who would do it is solely responsible and also blah, the worst person blah, of all. Blah, blah, <laughs> is all I hear. We all know this. Yeah. This drives me nuts mm-hmm. when we talk about it, that we all have to make sure that we all say, I want you to know it's really bad. We all know that. We yeah, all I, know that. you know, I mean, I just I want to make sure that like you don't lead with because I don't want to I, I don't want to come off as like someone who's trying to justify or like make some dumb excuse. I mean, like no the bottom line this, is it's so ridiculously what's horrible. What's crazy is no one in yeah, this right. audience thinks that, but someone who would be watching to take words out of context yeah. would exactly. Right. Um, so uh, a couple of things that I thought was interesting about the coverage about it was, first of all, we had uh, the as soon as the shooting happened, what we found is that actually New Zealand has very lax gun laws. It's very easy to get a gun in New Zealand. There's nothing going on there. It's the easiest thing in the world. Now, uh, of course, you know, that was not in my impression. And when you look at the gun laws, you don't really find that. But simultaneously, we were told that this was the safest place on Earth. And that's why it was targeted, because people were felt so safe there and they wanted to bring the message that anyone could be taken Wait. out. Right. Like, I thought you said when there was lax gun laws, it was unsafe. Um, it, it really is kind of a back-and-forth sort of bizarre moment. So I decided to say, think, like, well, what is the actual truth about mass shootings in New Zealand? All we kept hearing was they haven't had a mass shooting since 1990. So they went 29 years without a mass shooting. And it just shows after the first one, they, they changed the laws, and they went 29 years without another mass shooting. Uh, yet again, more evidence that uh, the United States is doing this wrong. Of course, when you get you actually look at this, it gets a little bit more complicated. First of all, it's not true. That's the, they've only had one mass shooting since 1990. They've had several others. Um, but you know, it's a small country. There's only 4.8 million people who live there as opposed to 327 million people who live here. So there should be more mass shootings uh, here than there are there. When you actually look at the rate of people who die of mass shootings, it tells a very different story than what you're hearing in the media. In fact, if you are in New Zealand, you're about 4.34 times as likely to be killed in a mass shooting than you are in the United States. Yeah. Uh, that is a major difference, although I think it comes with a caveat. You know, they just had a shooting the other day. So maybe it's unfair. It's a big one. Maybe it's unfair to include that one. So let's remove the 50 people who died in the mosque shooting and look at the stats again. If you exclude that shooting, you're still 1.76 times as likely to be killed in a mass shooting in New Zealand than you are in the United States. And you say, well, you're going back to 1990. They've only had two mass shootings. I mean, there's 14 dead in the first one. I think 50 dead in the second one. So let's remove both of them. We'll remove the most recent one and the one from 1990, the only two that are mentioned. You are still 6% more likely to be killed in a mass shooting in New Zealand than you are in the United States. That is, uh, I mean, it is a function of you know, a lot of times what you have with these uh, societies that have uh, gun laws that are more restrictive is you sometimes do get less incidents of mass shootings, but they are much worse when they happen. We saw this in Norway. Um, when, when that went on, um, where 77 people were killed, you know, because there's no there's no one to push back. I mean, the, you know, New Zealand has most of their police officers don't even carry guns. They're police officers. So how are you stopping these things? I mean, these are very difficult sheep. to stop. Right. What's sheep. That? Sheep. Yeah. She, if you throw sheep, sheep at, a, at, a, at a shooter, you just pick up a sheep, you throw it. <laughs> it's you probably bowl, your only you defense. Bowl. Like, oh, man, I'm pulling a strike on that guy. <laughs> you throw sheep I mean, or Gollum. Gollum can come. I mean, uh, <laughs> 
It's an amazing. Uh, it's an amazing thing, though. I mean, we have to understand that these people get this idea that we're having mass shootings here all the time because we have most media. Mm-hmm. And we also have a lot of people. Like it was a very large country. Like how many mass shootings happen in China? I don't know exactly. They, we know mass stabbings happen there from time to time. They're very restrictive with their gun laws. I mean, do you trade societies with China to get lower amounts? And how many are happening in the middle of rural areas where they're putting a million you know, Muslims into camps? How many deaths are happening there? You know, we, we know that thousands and thousands of Christians are, are, are murdered you know, by ISIS and in Nigeria and many other places with very little attention or coverage over here. Um, it should be covered if someone comes into a mosque and shoots 50 people. It's a really, really bad thing. Um, but it's also bad when these other things happen. And we have to at least have perspective. You, the, the idea to blame a New Zealand massacre on the gun laws in the United States and the, or the president of the United States, yeah. both of those are completely mm, that was absurd. The, no, go ahead. The absurdity. We, as we said on our show, the only thing, I don't know anything about the Australian government. I couldn't name the Australian president. Anything I know about Australia, <laughs> I hear about on the news. Anything anyone in Australia New Zealand knows about Donald Trump, they're hearing from the American media. So if you're going to spew the narrative that it was the president that caused this, it's what you told them of the president, which is still absurd. Mm-hmm. This was a maniac that murdered people. He shot a woman from a distance then walked up to her and at point-blank range shot her. How do you rationalize, how do you blame that on rhetoric or laws? It's impossible. Yeah. It makes me, I live in Arizona, the least restrictive gun laws in the country. And it's a safe place to live. You lived there for a long time. It's a safe place to live. Loved it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move on to Red for Ed, I want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. Relief Factor has been life-changing for Glenn, I know, and life-changing for us because we can deal with Glenn. <laughs> no, no, wait a minute. Is that, is that like an official slogan now? I think We're so. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with deal with Glenn. Yeah. You on your meds? Um, <laughs> flying off the shelves right now. Yeah, right. Um, the, if anybody has you know, blinding pain. You know how difficult life can be sometimes, and you do get a little grumpy. (laughs) Uh, And uh, my wife said to me, you're taking this. And I'm like, I don't know, honey, it's not going to work. Nothing works for me. I've woken up on the operating table two times, okay? It takes, like, horse tranquilizers to keep (laughs) me down. It's not going to take me out of pain. She said, try it. For three weeks, that's what the commercial says. All right. I tried it. It works. It will re- reduce or eliminate your pain. It works on 70% of the people that try it. That's why they have a three-week quick start. You try it for three weeks. If it doesn't work, you have to take it as directed, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, if it doesn't work, you're out $20. If it does work, you are um, somebody who has your life back, and you can do the things that you want to do. It's Relief Factor, relieffactor.com. All right, Mike, educate us. Oh, this is, I, we caught into this early. Red Fred, a movement of teachers. Who doesn't think teachers need to be paid what they're worth? We're educating our children. Teachers in Arizona wore red every Wednesday. They called it Red Wednesday, and it became a movement called Red Fred. It's all over the country now. The teachers in Arizona said, we want a 20% raise over three years, and we are going to walk out of school. They're not on a strike, so they had to call in sick. There's a lot of gaming, but they walked out. So before the walkout, a week before the walkout, the governor, our governor, Doug Ducey, went to the legislature. They got together and said, "Okay, we can do it. We're going to give you the raise. Red Fred scrambled and said, we don't believe you. So we're going to walk out anyway. Seventy thousand people in red T-shirts at the state capitol at the beginning of this movement. So I started looking into it because I have a lot of friends that are teachers. Mm -hmm. It's run by some people that are socialists. 
not as an accusation, as an observation. A guy named Noah Carvelis, Joe Thomas, this is Arizona. These Noah Carvelis writes for socialist publications and has for a long time. They got their raise. It was in the legislature. As it progressed through the legislature, Joe Thomas and other leaders of this movement were in both legislative bodies, the House and Senate, trying to kill the very budget that was going to give the teachers the raises till the wee hours of the morning. They didn't want it to pass because they wanted a tax increase on the ballot. They couldn't kill it. It passed. The governor signed it. That morning, Joe Thomas ran out to the legislative buildings, to the throngs of people and said, congratulations, you did it. It was you that got this raise passed and never told them he had been trying to kill it the night before. Wow. So the movement was about a tax increase. So they came up with a bill about raising taxes on the wealthy in Arizona. They got 275,000 signatures to get it on the ballot. It was so poorly written and the numbers of what the rate, they said it was a 6% increase. Well, no, it was not. It was a 100% increase. The state Supreme Court threw it out. When it passed, Noah Carvelis was at the National Socialist Convention and got a 45-second standing ovation for getting it passed. He wrote just recently for a publication, Noah Carvelis, writing for his lessons from Saul Alinsky. This was what he wrote for recently. He's one of the leaders of this movement in Arizona. They are coordinating with other Red for Red movements, West Virginia recently walked out other states where they are trying to unionize or right to work states and get teachers, the American Federation of Teachers, divide districts, get teachers unioned up. And this is about tax increases and the power of that money, completely about power and control. Mm. Thankfully, Arizona hasn't passed it. I mean, they they're kind of caught on the last press conference they had. Well, 70,000 is where they started their last press conference. They had nine. Not 9,000. <laughs> nine. Just, just the nine. So in the 50s where a socialist wasn't running openly uh, and we had an, an idea that socialism generally ends like Venezuela or with a bullet in your head. Um, or both. Or both. Uh, you could have never run red for Ed. The is logo. There any, is there any other reason that it's called red other than... No. Their slogan, their, their uh, mascot, what would you call it, was a flag, was the socialist fist holding an apple because they're teachers with the Arizona flag under it. They were not hiding it at all, except they wouldn't talk about it. They were open on their Facebook page, so we started posting their messages. Then they closed their Facebook page. Well, we had people on the inside giving us their posts. So they put a message on their Facebook page that said, all members don't post questions on the page. Send them in a private message. We'll answer in a private message. They will do nothing publicly. If they're on the side of angels, if they're just trying to educate children. Do you have anything that shows what they've been saying? Um, I do, and we tried to find some of them, and I will get them. I, want, I will get them to you. It is amazing the things they're saying about um, the movement. The most recent one we have is a video on my blog of one of our state legislators named Quezada, who was telling the movie, he agrees with the movement that this is a mental warfare, that you've got to beat them down on social media, that, you, that we will get people to vote with us if they say, just call off your dogs. So they did this in a secret meeting. I got a copy of the meeting and we posted it online and he took a little bit of heat, but then it just goes away. He's advocating all these anti-bullying people advocating that teachers go after them on social media and are relentless. Mm. I got to say before we take a break, that is a really good investigative journalism there. Well, right? it's because it's I have grandkids yeah. in the school system. Yep. And don't you think wherever you live, 
Look and see if it's happening because we all want teachers to earn a fair wage. This is more about power and control, unionization, and the money that goes with it. Mm. All right, back in a minute. So it's red for Fred. It's all over. Red for Ed. Red for Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, before we go into overtime, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, KFYI.com, and then my last name is Broomhead, so they can find it on my blog. And if you scroll through, you can find all these Red Fred stories and their posts. Yeah. And, and please, uh, because I asked him to share, so if you know of one of these stories elsewhere, please share them with Mike. Yeah, yeah sure. please do. Thank you so much for being here. You're going to stick around for overtime? Whatever you want. Perfect. All right, overtime starts next for you Blaze TV subscribers. We will see you then. Excellent. So it's overtime. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. Uh, welcome to the program, Jason Howerton. Or Glenn's, Glenn Glenn's body him. double. Glenn lost some weight. No. <laughs> You're looking you. very young, Thank you, Glenn. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for jumping in here. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we were t- talking about New Zealand, what happened there, um, gun deaths, and off air. Mike, you were telling us what's going on in Connecticut right now? The Connecticut Supreme Court overruled a lower court. So the parents of the St. Hook Elementary School shooting are now allowed to proceed with a lawsuit against the gun manufacturer for wrongful death because of the way they advertised how efficient and how good the guns worked. Somehow there's a wrongful death suit there. That is <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Sandy Hook, it would be the least likely one for this to succeed, I would think, too. But because it's Connecticut. <laughs> it is Connecticut. That's true. Um, but I mean, it, because he didn't, he didn't, he didn't even own the guns. Yeah. He didn't even buy them. His mom bought them and he stole them from right. his mom. Right. But he killed her with them first. Yeah. Shot her in her sleep, then took the guns. Yeah. But, but, he but she was the law-abiding citizen right. who bought it, and she was the one who, you know, I, I guess. Maybe, uh, okay, so could we maybe find some middle ground and say stealing guns should be illegal? Oh, I don't think so. That's no. too no. far. That's too it far. Is. Well, I mean, that's true. If only we did have that on the books. <laughs> if only. As a law. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's a great point. Maybe that would have prevented this. Could have. Um, I mean, that does bring up. But let, can we all agree a background check would have solved this whole problem? Oh, sure, yeah. Because they, they love that one um, because they, you know, when they talk about mental health, it's everyone, no one wants someone who has absolutely no ability to be able to handle a gun, to have a gun. We all understand that. Um, however, that's a great example of what would you do in the in the case of the Sandy Hook uh, shooter whose name I do remember but will not say. What, what are you going to do? The, the mom is not allowed? No, so no one in the household of anyone right. who has a mental health issue would be able to be, buy a gun? What about a relative that doesn't live in the house? I mean, how they can make that string go down for, you know, forever. What if, you know, if, if a person is visiting a particular place, can they have guns there in a place of business if they work there or whatever? There's so many lines that that could cross, and that's why no one, they, they can never come to any common sense agreement when it comes to mental health because everyone knows the left is just going to take that and run uh, so far with it, and, and they're not going to stick anywhere close to what they are actually saying they intend. And it's also such a stigma with mental health anyway. There is such a, a, an extreme with mental health. Now what we're going to do is demonize everybody that yeah. admits they have even depression. 
Okay. You know, you imagine now how restrictive it would be to admit any mental health issue. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, and we're go ahead, Jason. I was going to say we miss so many warning signs and red flags over and over again, and we have this dying, this never-ending need to want to end evil, right? Just like stop it. Like, what could we have done to stop this one? Well, just legislate ending evil, mm-hmm. and you can't. No. Like, you just can't do it. And it, like, we never get to that point, like where where we we just start at the the root level it's always laws or give up your guns or semi-automatic rifles or whatever it is but it's never it's never actually things that would that you could point to on paper to say this would have stopped it mm-hmm. and it's we just, it's a never-ending cycle is it, wasn't it in london the city of London was asking people to count their kitchen knives because they have such restrictive gun laws that now they're stabbing each other yeah yeah no well and i mean you know you think about um the fact that when you look at these instances, like you were saying, you can point to, hey, look, there these two systems weren't communicating with each other here. Hey, look, we already have a law in place or a protocol in place that would have prevented this from happening, but they didn't follow the protocol. So it just seems so crazy how, how to does, have the how conversation. Does more when it, laws yeah. to complicate it further if you can't even enforce the ones we have now. Let's start at step one and then maybe catch some of those. And I think we do catch sometimes, like every once in a while. You can't go back in time, right, or see the future of what would have happened if police didn't make a visit to a house, right? So it's really hard to, like, truly understand how effective the laws are. But right now, things are slipping through. So let's start there yeah. and then go from there. I mean, look, you always try to make it better. But to your point, it's like, you know, we, we've, that you're never going to eliminate it. You're never going to, like they say, they do the same thing with poverty. Like they want to make sure that there's no poverty in the world. Like you're never going to be able to eliminate it completely. You could try to minimize it as, as much as possible. Um, but, you know, we've seen this in other countries where they have super restrictive gun laws. Sometimes people still wind up shooting lots of people. But in other cases, they just drive their truck over them in a, in a street fair. I mean, is there or throw a, acid in their face? Throw acid in their face, or they stab them. I mean, does it does it matter to the person who just got run over by a truck whether they weren't shot? Do they feel any better about the gun laws? My guess is no. Um, so the idea that you can kind of legislate this out is really it's ridiculous. You know, we do live in a free society. Um, and you see, I mean, thank God for the Second Amendment, because you see how fast that would go away. I mean, New Zealand was, they were on TV the next day saying, we will get rid of semi-automatic weapons, and you know, end sentence. Like that, what, what do you mean you will? Is there no debate? Is there no, is there no, no pushback against this in your country? No, apparently not, because they're voluntarily giving up their weapons to authorities. It's incredible. It really is incredible. I mean, you know, uh, these things don't work either. Of course, Australia did this with a, with a big uh, gun buyback program. Every academic study of it showed that it made no difference when it comes to homicide rates. Um, it, it's just not effective. And it's not even possible in a, with a, in, in a scale of what we have here in the United States. You'd be talking about pull, you know, buying back you know, 100 million guns. First of all, the cost would be a little excessive for something like that. But also, that still leaves 200 million plus guns on the streets. What have you done? You've done nothing. Um, you know, luckily, we have something that would protect them from grabbing guns every time a motion comes into the argument, but that is really what they're doing in in New Zealand, and they've done it in several other countries. They tried to pass these laws when people were soberly thinking about them and what the consequences were, and when they got them to an emotional situation where something terrible happened, they then try to grab the power in those moments, and they hold on to it. Have you seen the way the media, like, I I saw, was watching Brooke Baldwin on CNN, like... Well, that was your first mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Look how quickly she says 
that they acted after yeah. a massacre. I'm like, that's terrible. That's not how you legislate. You no. don't. Yeah. You don't. In in the heat of the moment, yeah. decide to take. When was the last rights? time you made a decision like that, hasty, yeah. that it was a good one? Right. right. I mean, it's no different. Like, just relate it to your own life. When you're in, like in the middle of a fight with your wife or, or your spouse, and tempers are flaring, you don't then say, "This is what we need to do in our relationship." These are the decisions <laughs> we're going to make. You you let calmer heads prevail, and you use logic and, and reason to try to make the best move forward that you can. But isn't it some, isn't this, also it scares me because then they think they've done something. It's like yeah. going to the doctor and being treated for the wrong illness. You think you're healing, yeah. but it's getting worse because the real, you're really not solving the problem. Same thing here. They pass a law, they high five each other. We finally have done something responsible and it's not going to do anything to slow down or stop the problem. That makes it even worse. Yeah. I, and there's never a more revealing time when it comes to guns uh, from American politicians and media is when there's a shooting in another part of the world. The New Zealand one's a great example of it in that, you know, they are giving them praise for acting quickly and taking these guns off the streets. Well, none of them will admit to proposing a semi-automatic weapon ban in the United States. No one's proposed anything close to that. They already had, I think there's one gun for about every four people in New Zealand already that was already restricted to that level, where here it's over one gun per person. It's like 1.1, 1.2 per person. So you're talking about a 75, 80% reduction in guns just to get to the level they were before, and they're cheering on more restrictive measures than that. They tell us, oh, we want common sense gun laws. We want background checks. That's all we want. This is what they really want. They want these things completely gone. They want the Second Amendment gone, and they want them all out of the way. You know, the same thing we saw with Obamacare. Oh, we just want Obamacare. This is common sense. And now they want Medicare for all just a few years later after their own system, which passed, has failed. And we're supposed to give them even more power. I mean, thankfully, we have that constitution and that and that tradition to be able to kind of step up and say, okay, we've got a backbone on this and we're not moving on it. You know, it's happened many times where I think people predicted that these rates would be would, would atrophy. But years in the future, do you think? Do you think maybe there's an the the Second Amendment is is nullified? I think it's it's not impossible. Um, you know, the, it, it would have to, I think, get a lot worse, and then have to be terrible incidents. It would only happen through emotion. But I mean, that's just a real small part of this process, right? Like, think about that. If you pass somehow got through all the states and then going through all the process to get a constitutional amendment, and they repeal the Second Amendment, which you know I, I hope would never happen. But even if you did that, you'd still then have to. You'd have states that would do it themselves, and they would pass their own amendments. If you wrote the amendment to bar the use of any firearms, you'd still have 300, at that point in 50 years, probably 500 million guns in, in individual citizens' hands. We saw how difficult it was for the American military to go door, for, door, door to door to, uh, to disarm Afghani citizens. Yeah. How would it be for, for people to try to go door to door to disarm American citizens? And you'd have to think... A half, two thirds, one third even, who would be like, absolutely not, you're not taking my guns, no. And I mean, that is, uh, that end? yeah, it's not a, not a pretty picture. I, I don't even think, it, it, and this is why the Second Amendment is so brilliant. How could you invade this country? How could you do that? You couldn't. Mm-hmm. It's impossible because of the Second Amendment uh, in, in, in any circumstance that I dare dream of. Yeah. I feel better. Thank okay. you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I hey, I just predicted some civil war. I feel great. <laughs> Let's talk national emergency. Uh, yeah, the national emergency vote happened last week. Um, was it Thursday? I can't remember. I was out a couple of days yeah, last week. Um, and I, there were some interesting parts of that. You, you had, um, you know, the, the Republicans got 59 votes. Uh, well, I should say they, there were 59 votes in favor of the overturning of the um, emergency uh, declaration. 
uh, which was, would be enough to obviously overturn it. Trump has vetoed it. It will go back to the House, where likely that's where it will die. Um, uh, they had, would have to get to 67 votes in the Senate uh, to uh, overturn the veto, and that is unlikely to happen. Um, however, they got 59 votes without a few that it seemed like they were going to get. For example, Ben Sass and Ted Cruz, who voted uh, with Trump on it. But the most perplexing one of the entire thing, and I'm fascinated by this story, is Tom Tillis. Now, Tom Tillis is not a guy that I would think is going to make a big stand about principles. He's just like another Republican senator to me. I, you know, he doesn't stand out in, in any big way. Um, however, he wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post in which he took a big stand about, uh, against this and said, look, I, I, we have some quotes from it. I mean, look at, look at some of these. Uh, here, um, it is my responsibility to be a steward of Article One branch to preserve the separation of powers and curb the kind of executive overreach that Congress has allowed to fester for the better part of the past century. I stood by that principle during the Obama administration, and I stand by it now. This is in announcing his vote uh, with the Democrats against Trump's um, emergency proclamation. There is uh, there's no intellectual honesty in now turning around and arguing that there is an imaginary asterisk attached to the executive overreach that is acceptable for my party, but not thy party. He goes on, as a U.S. senator, I cannot justify providing the executive with more ways to bypass Congress. As a conservative, I cannot endorse a precedent that I know future left-wing presidents will exploit to advance radical policies that will erode economic and individual freedoms. And finally, conservatives should take these warnings seriously. They should be thinking about whether they want a prospect of President Bernie Sanders declaring a national emergency to implement parts of the radical Green New Deal, a President Elizabeth Warren declaring a national emergency to shut down banks and to take over the national financial, a nation's financial institutions, or President Cory Booker declaring a national emergency to restrict Second Amendment rights. These are solid. all really good points, yeah, and I, I agree with them. Um, I am perplexed, however, how when it came down to the vote, Tom Tillis voted the other way. He voted with Trump. And so you write an op-ed in the Washington Post. When Rand Paul, if you remember, Rand Paul came out and said, I'm going to vote against the president on this. That was the 51st vote. That was the 51st vote because they were counting Tillis as already. He had announced it in an op-ed. Everyone knew he was going to vote against the president on this one. Last second, he reverses it. I would like to know what intern he ran over on the way into the parking lot or who, you know, yeah. it's, it's legit like house of cards. Did they find something on this guy? I mean, I, it wouldn't have made a difference in the vote, but it is really bizarre. And when he was asked about it, he said he was changing his mind because there were some talks about how in the future they may restrict this. And if you follow this conversation, Mike Lee, who came up with an idea basically that said, look, We'll go along with your national emergency this time, but let's all agree that we're going to limit this in the future going forward, that this is going to be a, a time limit and we're going to have to approve it through Congress, which I think is, you know, it's not perfect, but it's a much better solution than where they landed. Um, but Mike Lee tried that. The president rejected it. And then Mike Lee voted against the president, as he said he would. Tillis, I guess, heard the conversation and was just so darn encouraged, she decided to vote <laughs> with the guy. I, it is a bizarre turn of events, and I have not seen, I mean, it's almost like worthy of a House of Cards episode. <laughs> that is bizarre. Well, and it also reminds me, and I, I wonder how he, will, uh, how he will appear to his constituents. It reminds me of Ted Cruz mm-hmm. uh, during the convention 
when it's like he alienated both sides because yeah. he came out and took this principled stand and said, I will <laughs> not do this based on principle. And then immediately was like, just kidding, yeah. I'll do it. I know. He waited until no one cared about the endorsement. And <laughs> was like, you know what, by the way, I meant to tell you guys uh, <laughs> totally on the Trump train. It was a weird it's a weird moment. Uh, it, it was a strange vote. And yeah. uh, I, I really hope I mean, I think the long term best interest of the country would be served if they just gave the, co- the power back to Congress where it was belong, where the Constitution designed for it to be. Uh, the idea that I mean, like we could see whether you like the Trump thing or not, you could see how it can be abused by by a president who wants to do the wrong thing. And I was incur- I loved what Mike Lee said about his vote. I, he's I think no one knows the Constitution better yeah. than Mike Lee. But Mike Lee, what he said about it and why he emphatically said what the president wants needs to be done, but it yeah. can't mm-hmm. be done this way. Mm-hmm. That's the best you know explanation of that that I had heard. Yep, yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. Today's The Blaze Why comment. Actually, I think we have a couple of them. And remember, you can tweet us your questions and comments using the hashtag The Blaze Why is uh, from Jay Warkentian. Mm, love uh, Jay Warkentian. He's I my know. favorite of the Warkentian family. It rolls off the, the tip of the tongue, doesn't it? Broomhead, I can, can, I can sympathize. Can I get that? Yeah. Can I? I don't. I don't have it on my card. There it is. Uh, it appears the citizens in the documentary Star Trek make socialism work. <laughs> Stu, thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are wait until Friday and ask Pat Gray because he is the ultimate Star Trek authority. So I was going to say, I'm not a nerd, so I don't yeah. know. Pat, Pat will be, is a proud nerd. Pat will know? Oh, Pat, this is a Pat question. Save this one. Okay, we're going to table this for Pat. Uh, we have one more over here. And I'm sad that Glenn's not here to see it, but they were wondering, uh, Muffer Squish is wondering if uh, how, how many of these... The Colonel, Colonel Sanders uh, puppet toys have been sent to Glenn. Well, you know what? We've got this this really giant box back there mm-hmm. that they just keep coming and we keep stacking them up into like pyramids and build They're almost like building blocks at this point with all of the boxes that we have of the uh, the Colonel Sanders here. We did the stage show. There was this part where we had a, the side by side of Glenn and Colonel Sanders, which the whole audience laughed very okay. hard at. And then every time Glenn would look at him, he'd go, geez, I am I'm fatter than Colonel Sanders, <laughs> <laughs> which was accurate. I mean, he was he was right on it. This is a guy who started a fried chicken uh, chain and he outweighed him. So that was a I depression. feel like this is a really good time to remind everyone. We have Glenn Colonel, Colonel Sanders shirts at shop.theblaze.com. They're amazing. Uh, I have one. Check it out, shop.theblaze.com. we're monetizing the mockery of the man who started this company. It's, it's I've, considered, I've considered... Nobody better at it than Stu. He's my favorite guy on the show. I've considered actually um, wearing mine on the show, mm-hmm. but I didn't know if... I was like... I sh- maybe I shouldn't mock him like right in front of him. It is too I got, you got to wait until overtime when he's not here there you to go. do it. I, 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 I want to keep my job. I was visiting one day in the, watching in the studio and. Uh, you were making fun of Glenn's clothes, which you make a living at. Mm-hmm. And he said, you don't like my outfit? And you said, which one? You're wearing like three. <laughs> that was the funniest thing I think I've ever heard you say. So you made a great living out of mocking the boss. Good for you. Very strange world I live in. <laughs> <laughs> Today's poll, uh, according to our very own John Miller, Blaze TV's John Miller with the White House briefing, liberals never cared about extremism until now. This is just about Trump. I I don't know what this is just about Trump means, but I assume that they're talking about the New Zealand shooting. The new white white nationalist threat rise, I think, is what he's talking about. Because, mm. yeah, I mean, I, if you remember the whole Bernie Sanders uh, campaign employee shooting at Republicans uh, not too long ago, they did not seem to have much care about that at all. They did not. Well, because at that point in time, uh, crazy people were just crazy and criminals were That's just true. criminals. Well, the, the high school kids 
and the death threats for those kids and their parents that, that stood up and face to face with the oh, Native the American protesters, the Covington mm -hmm. kids. So there's a little bit of extremism there. Sure. Yeah. You're threatening the lives of high school kids because they stood there the way they did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you think. Do you agree? Let us know at The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Thanks for tuning in. Gentlemen, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Uh, so you, you are in Arizona. Yeah, Phoenix. When does it start getting this Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.